Welcome, and thank you for joining the Society for Clinical Research Sites for SCRS Talks. I'm Jimmy Bechtel, the Vice President of Site Engagement. SCRS Talks allows our partners and those that we work closely with to take a few minutes to address issues of industry concern, share exciting achievements, and to learn more about our extensive community. Today, we have Jeff Smythe, the President and Executive Director of True Blue Clinical Research, here to talk to with us a little bit about how we can at sites effectively hire, build strong teams, and be effective leaders. Jeff, it's great to have you with us today. Excited to learn a little bit more about this topic for our site members. If you wouldn't mind, I'd love to learn a little bit about you and your background. Thank you, Jimmy. Um, I started my career in medical imaging about 30 years ago. I worked in a hospital for about 25 years in leadership positions. Um, I actually fell into research like a lot of other people do. Back in 2011, I started working at Moore Clinical Research. That is our former company name. Um, I, so I've been in leadership for a very long time, managed people for a very long time, uh, have been in research now for about 12 years. And I, I just fully understand um, everything there is to do with hiring and creating a work culture and the importance of having a, a phenomenal work culture and what it brings to a company. Well, thanks, Jeff. Again, really excited to talk about that culture and and being being an inspiring leader uh, from someone who's been in the industry for so long in a variety of different capacities. It's always great to hear from those experiences. Well, this is a really timely subject, I think, because there's a lot of fluidity and turnover in our industry right now. Research sites and industry organizations are pivoting and being nimble when it comes to hiring and looking at different personality versus some of the skills or experience that uh, the old adage goes about what you can train for versus what you can't train for. So what are your thoughts on this trend in the industry right now? I think this is so relevant right now because just like you said, there's so much fluidity. There are companies that are laying off. There are companies that are right-sizing after COVID. Uh, there are companies that are continuing to grow. There uh, are shifts in every industry across all sectors. Um, and I think this is a very relevant question. And so what I would say to that is, and I don't think I'm different than any other research site, I, I firmly believe in looking for individuals who have the personality to come in and join your team and who can gel within your team and be a complement to the existing team members that you have. I think that that's a real challenge sometimes. And how do you do that? Well, when you get candidates, you really kind of uh, need to take your time and have multiple interviews. Our strategy is we have at least two or three interviews with people, whether they're in person or via Teams, or maybe a combination of both. But we want as many people meeting the candidates as possible. We want as much feedback because we need to know if this person is gonna be the right fit for our organization. I think that's a, a, a pretty important factor there. And um, having your coworkers and everybody provide the input, that is extremely valuable to everybody, okay? And it also improves their job satisfaction, knowing that they have this input as well. Those are great points, Jeff, uh, around making sure that we are 
heading in the direction of providing those kinds of feedback loops and, and establishing some of these policies and processes amongst those that we uh, that we employ and those that we work with. I think it's really, really critical um, and, and some again, some really great insight provided there. Uh, I was going to say, I think by doing that, I think you gauge the person's personality. And by, you know, gauging their personality, I think that outweighs whatever task or experience they have on their their resume. I think it's important to look at the resume. It's important to look at their education, um, their jobs previously, that sort of thing. But I, I really think uh, gauging the personality is a more important factor because in research, uh, depending on their background, we can train them. We can teach them a lot of different tasks and we can train them. That's exactly right. Again, back to that old adage, identifying as a leader what things can be trained and what things cannot be trained for and hiring for the things maybe that uh, you can't train for, the things that they naturally have to have. Again, going back to those personality types um, versus those skills that you might be able to educate them. And it's also, I think, a really important and delicate balance that you have to play as a leader in what sort of capacity you're willing to bring someone up and bring someone into the organization. And it's obviously also very position dependent, right? Probably wouldn't want to hire someone in a management position that doesn't at least have a little bit of management skill um, under their belt. Uh, obviously, we can train for management, but uh, you have to assess, step back and look at the whole point is what those different things are and how you balance that as someone that's running or managing the organization or or hiring for those positions. Yeah, in my opinion, I think that's the more tricky part. Just like you said, a management position ideally is best if you're able to promote from within um, because that really gives this, everybody on the team that sense that, hey, I can grow on this team. I've got somewhere I can go. Um, I think that really does complement the work culture a lot. Um, in my opinion, it's a little bit more difficult to bring somebody in from the outside in a management position. I know that we have to do that because sometimes we just don't have candidates who are the right fit to move up. So you do have to balance that. But I do believe that that's a little bit more difficult to do. Yeah, absolutely. It takes time and skill and knowledge and and practice and um, truly, regardless of any of that assessment, uh, you, you can be the greatest leader and manager in the world. Uh, but if you don't step back and take a look at what your employee mix is and, and what kinds of things you need and want for that position, um, you you might end up with someone that doesn't really fit the bill long term. Absolutely. We also see, Jeff, that a lot of companies have an influx of new team members. You know, as the turnover has happened, we're seeing new new people come into the industry. Um, how can organizations start to build some trust amongst these teams when we see a maybe larger proportion of that team's employees being new to that organization or maybe even new to research altogether? Yeah, that's a real challenge, isn't it? Because... Um, New people, you know, just for the pure fact that they're new to the team, they don't trust people, they don't know people. And I think that's a very, um, very important component of the work culture. Um, it, and it works both ways. It works from the existing employees to the new employees. So building trust is extremely important. Um, I think with 
you know, we, we try and do that at, at our company with leadership development. We have new leaders, but with new employees, we want to do the same thing. And um, there's an acronym from Brene Brown in her Dare to Lead series that I have found to be the most useful in communicating, developing, and um, creating this atmosphere of trust within the workplace. And the, the acronym is BRAVING. And uh, the B stands for boundaries. So you set clear boundaries on what's okay and what's not okay. Reliability, you do what you say you're gonna do. To, and you know that's extremely important. Accountability, you own your mistakes, you apologize, you make amends. The vault, you know, you've gotta have confidentiality. If I'm sharing something with you, it's not for you to share with somebody else. And then if somebody is sharing uh, something personal with you, you shouldn't be telling me about it either. So that the confidentiality thing works two ways as well. Integrity, you know, you want to be courageous. You want to do the right thing uh, when, when nobody is looking. Non-judgment, you want to ask for what you need. And you don't, if you have questions or whatever, you don't need to feel judged for asking the question. Being generous, extending a generous interpretation of maybe what your intentions are. And then um, I, I think all of those together, that acronym is extremely important. And if you notice, a lot of these are descriptors in a lot of companies' cultures, you know, the culture that they they put out there on their websites and everywhere that they want their employees to work by and abide by, these are all very similar to that and they tie in very nicely. So I think it's easy, it's in a way for the leaders to take these and to communicate that and to practice by that, right? So as leaders, we've got to practice by these things so that everybody else sees how important these things are. Absolutely, Jeff. Thank you. That acronym, I think, is a, is a really clear and defined takeaway for a lot of our learners here. So I hope, um, you know, if you haven't, uh, rewind and uh, listen to that again so that you can take all those things down, because I do think that a lot of those are really valuable um, actions and traits that we should consider when we're embarking on this process mm -hmm. um, as leaders. So a, a great, uh, a great uh, insight into how we can be effective hiring managers and, and leaders within our organization. So that's, that's a really good uh, way for us to then take that practice and, and build trust out of it and, and, and instill trust. I think there's a lot of really good things and even some that I don't always think about when you think about building trust and building teams. Some of those things come to mind for a lot of people, but some of them don't always come to top of mind. So those, I think, I think make the best tips for uh, yeah. for listeners. So thank you. That's true. And, you know, uh, if you think about it, there's so many remote working employees that I think that is another um, caveat to this whole discussion. How do you do that when everybody's working remotely on a team? And so when you think about that, you think about how you communicate and how you work together. You have to use the tools that you have, like Teams or Zoom or whatever, and you have to build your relationships that way. Um, you have to really enforce the communication and those sorts of things. So and you want to have events to where people can see each other because you have to put the face with the name. you got to get to know the person. Having the cameras on is extremely important. Having phone calls is extremely important. Whatever, you know, touch point that you can do that, just really encourages that relationship building 
is extremely important in those situations. Another great insight, Jeff, this whole concept of remote teams uh, and and the evolution of clinical research into these remote experiences, Mm -hmm. you know, it it is a little tough in the medical industry because we are a patient and person touch industry. But there are obviously a lot of with the implementation of technology, a lot of opportunities for us to have teams that are um, at least somewhat remote. Right. Even coordinators can have time, can have days where they might be working from home or they're not seeing patients or if they're seeing patients on telemedicine medicine schedule. Um, But again, emphasizing the point you made, providing and enforcing the opportunities to make those connections with your, not only your leaders in one-on-one instances, but also with the other team members, I think is really, really important. And I know something that we absolutely believe in and instill in our team members at SCRS um, and hope a lot of our other members and, and, and those that we are partners with, uh, take that in consideration as well. The world is changing and uh, COVID definitely gave us a quick little kick in the booty to get us, uh, you know, into that change a little bit quicker than some might be comfortable with, but uh, has really shown us that there is a lot of opportunity for us, um, you know, not only with remote and decentralized clinical trial elements, which we don't need to get down, but also decentralized team uh, environments as well. Mm -hmm. You know, at our site, we have that. I have a a group of coordinators uh, on a quality and compliance team. They do everything that's not patient-facing. They do all the startup, all the QC, all the e-source building, all the EDC, all of that non-patient-facing work. They work remotely. They do that. But I do ask them to come into the office on a routine basis so that they can work along the team and make sure that those relationships continue to be built because I feel like that's very important. I'm trying to balance that whole need for employees to work remotely, but then you know, you've got to look at your team culture as well. So having them come in randomly or on some sort of routine basis, um, I think is very important. That's great, Jeff, and a good insight. I hope that a lot of our listeners can uh, take that and bring it back to their organizations. Find ways to enable remote working. You know, if you're struggling in particular with finding staff or finding ways for people to come in, um, that can be a, a door opener and definitely a possibility for particularly, I would argue, younger millennial and younger staff, millennial and Gen Z staff to be able to come into your site. You know, we're constantly talking about finding and hiring young, new talent with fresh perspectives and uh, and, and broadening our clinical research employee pool. That's a really great way to do it because a lot of um, a lot of the individuals in those generations might be drawing the line in the sand uh, with, with their ability to come into the office uh, in traditional settings, or uh, you might be able to broaden at least your geographic reach, maybe into the neighboring city or the neighboring community um, to be able to uh, expand your job pool search to facilitate bringing people in that are that might not need to come into the office every day, every week or even every month um, and just do it at, like you said, random or scheduled times. That's a whole nother conversation between the generate, <laughs> you know, the generation gaps that we have, right? Because, I mean, we talk about this all the time. It's the difference in the generations and the the work, it could be work ethic, it could be the way that they view work, it could be what they expect out of work. Um, so I think that's another conversation that could be had that we're all kind of struggling with right now. 
Absolutely. Uh, another hour long conversation, I'm sure, around yeah. how we address generational gaps and, and just approaches to work, mm -hmm. um, you know, because we're, we're definitely seeing some of the uh, older senior leadership generations with a more traditional mindset for what a work environment looks like. And again, <laughs> back to the point that I made pre previously, you know, I would obviously, Jeff, you're, you're an exception to that rule, given that you you fully embraced a remote work environment uh, in a lot of ways. But then the younger generation, uh, you know, pulling in the opposite opposite direction and act and and really striving for um remote work opportunities so it, it is an interesting dynamic that we're mm -hmm. seeing um and and i would argue again that the covid pandemic has um uh i guess we uh, for lack of better term hold those two groups in even stronger opposites because we i think we see the uh the senior leader generation really starting to uh, require and request that some of their team members start to come back into the office a little bit more frequently, yet the younger generation um, pulling in the opposite direction and saying, you know, no, uh, if you're going to make me do that, I might look somewhere else for employment. Well, and if you think about it, what really was the catalyst from the pandemic was the fact that it moved our industry more in, in more in the technology direction, in the electronic source, e-reg, that sort of thing that has enabled the sites to do that. So at the site level, these employees know that. They know that, we can do that, so we should be able to allow that, right? So that's the, that's the big thing there because our industry was so paper-driven. And I think the catalyst during the pandemic was was it pushing us toward a more electronic um, solution? That's right. I, I couldn't agree more, Jeff. I couldn't agree more. Uh, thank you for those insights. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about company culture and uh, how in our industry and for our specifically research sites, how how is that important? And what what does that look like when in the, again, context of a clinical research site? I think it's important. I mean, it's important in research is important in every company because every company has goals, they have strategies, they have things that they're working on. You can't get there, you can't meet your goals, you can't do any of that unless you've got a really good team underneath you that is helping drive all of those initiatives, drive those goals, drive those strategies. So um, I think leadership development at the site level is extremely important no matter the size of your site. You know, obviously there are smaller sites, much larger sites with a lot of layers of management, but I think leadership development is extremely important for supervisors, frontline managers, directors, uh, people at my position. I, we do this on a weekly basis. Uh, we have a meeting, a standing meeting. We only meet for 30 minutes uh, every Tuesday morning, but we talk about um, things that develop leaders. We talk about uh, we watch videos uh, on Brene Brown. We talk about uh, leadership qualities as far as delegation, communication, um, ways to talk to people, those sorts of things. I want to develop them. I want them to be able to talk to their coworkers as a human being, to be able to have an honest, truthful conversation, and to be able to do that uh, with grace and um uh, be effective at it. I don't, I'm, I'm a calm person by nature and I'm trying to get my team to be calm like me, but to be able to be effective, to be able to coach people and to be able to um, just really manage a team the way it should be without drama, 
without arguing, without all this, you know, any of the other things that that may or may not happen. I think the culture is extremely important. Uh, we like to talk to our employees a lot. We really emphasize communicating with them one-on-one. Um, I like to ask them things that, what do they need from me in order to do their job? Uh, what is it that we can do to improve? We ask for their opinions on new processes. We ask for their opinions on when we're um, updating SOPs, things like that. We want as much input from them as we can possibly get. We want them to feel like they belong and that they have a voice. Um, I think that you that you just can't underscore that enough. And I feel like you can do that at any site, at any size. It does take commitment, but I, I feel like in time you will reap the reward from that. I couldn't agree more, Jeff. That's definitely the approach that uh, a lot of us at SCRS take with our our leadership style and trying to make sure that our employees feel heard and understood. Um, you know, we don't need to get back into that again, but that there's an added layer of complication when you're a uh, remote organization or you have remote employees mm -hmm. um, in order to make them feel uh, heard and understood when you're not necessarily regularly sitting in an office with them, you know, uh, uh, you know, on the same side of the table, um, just across from each other and asking those questions. And it, it is interesting that, uh, you know, some of that doesn't come natural to a lot of people and to a lot of organizations. Mm -hmm. A lot of organizations aren't necessarily set up in that environment, but it really mm -hmm. only takes, um, you know, one leader or maybe a couple, a handful of leaders to set that trend and, and set that expectation. Um, because to me, that's foundational in doing and uh, doing leadership right and running a correct organization. Um, and uh, I think it's a really, really, good reminder and a, an important approach to for our listeners to take back try to understand do i do this and how do i do this at my organization and if i have room for improvement in this space um what does that need to look like and and, and restructuring maybe how you manage and run your teams and team meetings and and one-on-ones to facilitate some of that uh drama free i think is important but uh um you know individualized and truly caring discussion for, for team members. I think that's a great cultural insight for a lot of organizations. Right, my advice would be if you're not doing it, just start out slow, look for some inspiration, get your team together, and then just simply start talking about it. That's right, uh, that is that is a great first step uh, to be able to do some of those things and, and instill that culture within your organization. Mm -hmm. And it's it's like you said, it's foundational. But it's also the investment that you have to make if you're if you want your company to be successful, you've got to make these investments. Couldn't agree more. That's that's exactly right. You have to find the the avail the ability availability uh, to do those kinds of practices and employ those kinds of practices into your organization. Uh, Jeff, you we're getting to wrap up here. We just have a few minutes left for our time here, but I wanted to end on a question around the impact about having strong leadership teams at research sites and, and what that impact might be and what are some of the ways then to develop strong leaders within our organizations. I think you touched on a few concepts here and a few things, the tips and, and best practices for those aspiring or current leaders to bring into their uh, organizations in in their leadership styles, but you know what? Talk a little bit about the impact and maybe some other ways that we can develop some strong leaders. I think the impact is huge. Um, our industry is based on timelines. Everything is a goal and a timeline, right? You've got 
uh, timelines once you get a contract or once you get startup documents or when you need your first patient in or what the enrollment goal is or the enrollment timeline. All of those are huge within our industry and uh, at the site level, we're all pushing to make those because what that means is that that translates into our success that translates into that sponsor coming back to us for another study. So. I know that a lot of us, we really place a, an extremely um, a large amount of importance on those metrics. So you've got to have a strong leadership team if you're going to be successful in that way. So in order to get that done, I mean, there are a few things that your leaders need to be comfortable with doing, and they've got to understand the job. They've got to understand these timelines, your goals of your company, your strategy. They've got to buy into that. And they've got to be able to communicate that to the others. They've got to be able to delegate those things so that everything gets done. They've got to be able to share, understand, and be responsible to make sure all these things are happening. In research, we have so many pieces of the puzzle. And a lot of these are, are going on in tandem. And you may have different groups working on a, on one study, but you know, their involvement is in, in different things so or different responsibilities. So it's important that there is communication among your team to know exactly what everybody's working on, sharing the information, and then just making sure that all of this is happening, whether it's enrollment or data collection or data entry, um, whatever, invoicing, collection, whatever. So the communication among the team is important. Your leaders need to be able to do that. Delegating, keeping people on task, that's another important factor. And just uh, maintaining the culture uh, within your teams, making sure that you're having those one-on-one -on -one conversations with your team members, making sure that all the sponsor demands are being met and that you're meeting with them on a routine basis to make sure that you're not dropping the ball on any of this stuff. So it's a lot to juggle. But uh, I think communication is really the key here for a successful research site. That's great, Jeff. I always find it interesting to see where and how communication creeps into the various aspects of what we're doing. And I think it, it's a testament to the cross employee, cross team, cross partnership relationships mm -hmm. that we develop um, as an industry. You know, there, it's not a siloed industry in any way, shape or form. We have these timelines, like you said, that ground us. Um, we have we have a mission. We have milestones that we need to meet as an organization and as a partnership with our sponsor and CRO uh, constituency group. But it's all founded in communication and relationships. So I think that's a, a really great place for us to uh, end our conversation here on that sentiment. I hope that uh, all the listeners were able to gain some new insights, some new tricks, maybe some new things to bring back to their organizations and to think about uh, as we continue to develop our teams and bring in new team members and see so much change uh, when it comes to workforce in our industry. So thank you for sharing all of those valuable insights and those uh, those tips, best practices with uh, with the SCRS community. Thank you, Jimmy, for having me. I've really enjoyed it. I, I just feel strongly that this is something that, you know, research sites we need to continue to talk about. We need to continue to share information uh, create new ideas, uh, new strategies, those sorts of things so that, you know, we can work collectively in making sure that we're all as strong as we can be.
Absolutely, Jeff. I couldn't agree more. Um, and again, thank you for uh, being with us today. All right. Everyone, thank you, Jimmy. For everyone that's listening, make sure you register for upcoming summits being held throughout our year by visiting the summit page on our website, myscrs.org. While you're on our website, be sure to also check out some of the other SCRS publications that we've made for our community in the publication section of that same page. We appreciate your participation and listening to today's program and look forward to having you join us for more great content coming out soon. Thanks again for listening.